It's a familiar story, isn't it? They had told the story of Passover for about 1,500 years. They had been drawn out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, and set free. And for 1,500 years, every year about this time, they would get together and recount how they had been drawn out of slavery. And this week, we celebrated here Sunday, Jesus comes riding into town on the donkey to the adulation and praise of people. Now he knows those who were shouting Hosanna will be shouting crucify him by the end of the week. So he chooses to foot the bill for the meal. And he sends people ahead and they have this upper room and they get there and they sit down, they lie down, they recline and they begin eating. And he breaks the bread and he gives them a cup along the way. It's the story of the Passover and it's the story of the Lord's Supper. Tonight we're going to take our time. And the, 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 the Apostle John, as he wrote uh, the Gospel of John, in contrast to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he spreads this night over, over four or five chapters from John 13 all the way to John 17. It's the upper room discourse. We want to take bits and parts and pieces of that tonight and share those with you. So we want to serve you the bread early the body of Christ early and we will hold the cup we will take the cup at the end of the evening we want you to sit we want you to experience we want you to feel what the Lord would have for you this very evening as you enter on this journey with us so Jesus knowing all things he got up from the meal didn't he and he began to wash their feet there was the the denier Peter there was the one who was the doubter Thomas and there was the betrayer, Judas. All three of them and the others, he washed their feet. Now think of that in Eastern terms. I'm sure your mother, maybe when you were a kid, said, wash your hands before dinner. In Eastern culture, it was wash your feet before dinner. But no one thought about that. No one had considered the fact that feet had not been washed. And our Lord and Savior, the servant king that he was and is, simply got up and began washing their feet one by one by one, serving them, saying, I didn't come. I didn't come to be served here. I came to serve. And he washed their feet, all of them. And then he sends Judas on his way to do the deed that he had been prescribed to do. And after that, he says this, and I quote, you'll see it on the screen, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another we want to start tonight with a with a, a, a pulse check or a heart check some of you kind of wear those Fitbit things when it moves around you know you get an idea of what's going on we want you to check your pulse have him check it tonight your heart do you love one another as Bob and I and Ryan began talking about this, we began saying, no. Sometimes, yes, kind of, maybe, occasionally. But, but love like that? No. So, so we want to start and have Bob lead us in a time of just, just meditating on that, who we are and what we don't do, but whose we are, and he'll take us to a time of confession. Bob, would you lead? Yeah, you know, I... I thought it's, it's a package deal, isn't it? To love God uh, means we love our neighbor. 
You know, it's, it's not like, I love God, but you know, I don't like people. So I love God, but not people. And it, it doesn't work that way. So it says, if you love me, you will love others. And, and so you're going to demonstrate that. But we fall short. I know most of us in the room would be honest about that. We would say, absolutely, we fall short. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of confession. And as we have that time of confession, I will lead us through that. And we'll have a time of silent confession. Afterwards, uh, afterwards we will uh, be encouraged as we read together the Word of God from parts of Romans chapter 8. Would you pray with me? God, we just sang it. Oh, to you, how great a debtor, Lord, uh, we're constrained to be, Lord. Your grace, uh, we look to you now. And so we confess our sins to you, God. Forgive us, for we have not loved you nor our neighbor. Forgive us, for we have been selfish proud, critical, and angry. Forgive us for our impatience, our sharp tongue, our defensiveness, our rush to judgment. Forgive us for we're often caught up in our world and we fail to see others around us. Forgive us how easily we brush aside our sin. Cleanse us and fill us, Holy Spirit, that we may walk in obedience to you. And hear us now, Lord, as we silently confess in our hearts any specifics that come to mind, God, where we've not loved you nor our neighbor. Would you pray silently in your hearts now? The song said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us. Thank you that we are yours. Thank you that we can know forgiveness in you. Not really even for the act of confession just now, because, but because of faith in you and what you've done on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we want to proclaim that wonderful truth that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And for what we know to be true in your word, if you look to the screens, let us recite this together as I'll read the leader portion, and together we'll read all. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed is an interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. How challenging it is to love, but we remember that we are not condemned as His children. How we often fail, but we recognize His forgiveness. And we remember the one who said, greater love has no one than this, than someone who lays down his life for his friends. So we're going to take the bread now. And as we do that, we were reminded that he is the bread of life, that he is the bread who gives his own flesh, who laid down his life for his friends. And with his death and eventual re resurrection, which we will celebrate this weekend, we are reconciled to him and to one another forever. So as we take the bread, remember what he has done on your behalf. And by faith, may he stir our hearts for who he is and what he can do. I'm going to invite the elders now to come forward. And as they do, I'm going to pray. And as we take the bread, what I would like for you to do is this. Uh, Ryan will be uh, starting uh, the team here as they'll be singing a song. At some point when you get the bread, if you want to take it right away, that's fine. If you want to wait as, you, as he sings through the song, whatever you feel led to do, uh, you take it as the Lord leads you on that. Uh, this is, by the way, gluten-free. They're all gluten-free, so any are concerned about that, uh, we have that. Let me pray. Our God in heaven, we do thank you that you gave your life for us. And now as we take this bread, as we take these elements, God, we say thank you. Thank you that God, that this is a symbol of your flesh, Lord. That God, as we taste of this spiritually, would you revive our hearts? Would you ignite our hearts? Would you do a work tonight? that we would see you and the wonderful, wonderful love that's in you as we feed upon you. You know, as we sang this song, I'm thinking about that we, we belong to him and we live for him. The disciples believe that. It's interesting as you read the accounts in the upper room, there's a lot of questions, and if you, if you read those questions, you go, uh, there's a lot of fear and anxiety, I think, behind a lot of this. Like, Lord, where are you going? Lord, I don't know the way. Uh, Lord, you say, for a little while I'm going to be gone, but then you'll see me again. I mean, what's going on? And so, 
you know, I don't think it's just curiosity. I think they're afraid because he does say it a number of times there, what? Don't let your hearts be troubled, assuming their hearts are troubled. But he assures them that he will be with them and they belong to him. So, what does he say? If you look on the screen, we just sang about the Holy Spirit. So what does he say? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he tells them that that they're not going to be left alone. They're very concerned about that, obviously so. That he will be with them, and he will send a helper. I got thinking as we were singing that, you know, know, they're in the upper room, they have no idea what we're singing. You know, if we sing, Holy Spirit, you're you're like, what? But they're going to learn about this, that they belong to him, and they now live for him. For what purpose? And the purpose is, is to make him known, to bless the nations. That's what he's going to do. Drawing a people to himself, he says, you're going to bless the nations. You're going to love one another, and that's how the world is going to see that you're my disciples. And I'm going to command you later, after, right before his ascension, he's going to say, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to bless the nations. It's their commission. We can't skip it. But there's a thing that he talks about that makes us uncomfortable, makes me uncomfortable. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. So it's like, I thought you just said, don't let your hearts be troubled. And now you're telling me we're going to have tribulation. But he says, I am going to be with you. And your sorrow turn into joy. And you know what? Tomorrow, the next day, they're going to experience great sorrow. It's scary what's going to happen the next few days. And yet, they will see him who has overcome the world. So what about us? We have the same spirit. We just sang it. The Apostle Paul says that we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance, of our salvation, the hope that we have in him. And that we, are, we too are to love one another and go and bless the nations. And yes, our faith will be tested. We will have tribulation. Can't get away from it. And I think about this. I think I, I want God, if I'm honest, to bless me with good health, my family with good health. What else? I want uh, a healthy family, job, income, retirement. You know, I think, God, bless me. What does God say? I want you to go and bless others. I want you to bless the world. I'm not, it's not to say he's not interested in blessing us, but I want you to bless the nations and bless the world. I read a story recently uh, from Philip Yancey, the author, and he talked about that he was in a, a, a country overseas that experiences a lot of persecution. And they asked him to come in and speak to the pastors that were there. And uh, before he was to speak with them, he said, I need to let you know that these pastors 
here were all, uh, they've all been to jail for their faith. And so Philip Yancey says, well, do you want me to speak to them about um, something from my book, Disappointment with God, or Where is God When It Hurts? And he goes, uh, no, they all understand that persecution and trials is a part of this life. They don't get along with each other. They need to know how to love each other. You know, in a country on the other side of the world, dealing with persecution, similar issues that we deal with. And so, greater love has no one than this, who's laid down his life for his friends. And our Lord has done that. That we belong to him. And we live for him. And we want to proclaim that as we read together from uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, question one. You'll see it on the screens. What is your only comfort in life and in death together? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Our God in heaven, we thank you and praise you for the wonderful truth that we are yours. God, we belong to you. And God, you're at work in us to go and proclaim the message, to bless the nations. May we indeed, people who love one another with your love, and proclaim that for the glory of your kingdom. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We said at the beginning that uh, there's this an upper room discourse, right? There's a meal and Jesus is talking and it takes some time all the way from John 13. To, to John 17 and John 15 he says some amazing things so in John 15 he says this he says he's the vine and he says my father is the gardener Jesus is the vine the father is the gardener what does that leave us with we're the branches we are the branches we are not the vine Sometimes I can think, I'm the vine, I'm going to make it happen here. Sometimes I can think, I'm the gardener, I'm going to make that happen here. We're neither. We are the branches, and gladly so. Tonight, above all things, as we talked, we wanted to, to help all of us be joyful branches, be branches that, that had a heart of gratitude to, to really understand the power and, and the magnificence of the work that has been done is being done and will be done for us and to be grateful and that's where I fall all the time I'm, I'm, I'm ungrateful we talk about it often I'm just not grateful for very much of anything but tonight we'd like to use this time before the cup comes to, to instill a heart of gratitude Steve Brown often, often said to me that all life illustrates Bible doctrine. You can take much from out in the world there and you can say, oh, that points to Jesus somehow. They didn't even know it. 
That points to Jesus. That points to the sin of man. That points to God the Father. Things out there can be used not as an emotional play, but as an opportunity for the Lord to open our heart. So we're going to take the cup in a minute, and the officers are going to come, and they'll be passing out the cup. We don't want you to take it until we say take it all together. While they're doing that, you're actually going to be watching a short video. It's two or three minutes. It's about a man, his name is Nicholas Winton. Some of you may have heard his story back in 1939. He was a businessman, just a business guy in London. And he heard in Czechoslovakia that the Nazis were coming. And so he went there and bought with his own money and some other money he could scour up train tickets for kids. Train after train after train, 600 kids that he he got on those trains and he, he drew them out of the dominion of darkness, Nazi Germany, into the United Kingdom. And the story was never told because he had this list of kids and he had put the book together and everything and he made sure they got to, to adopted families because their parents couldn't come. Their parents all went to the gas chamber or worse. But the kids came. And the kids never knew the full story they knew they had been moved, they knew they had been adopted, but they didn't know who, who had rescued them. Fifty years later, his wife finds the book in his attic. And she connects with a BBC reporter, of all people, and they decide to pull together some people. And you'll see, that's where this clip begins. You'll see the BBC reporter talking about what's happened, and then you'll go from there. So uh, officers, would you come? Let me pray first. Officers, and you'll come, and you'll serve uh, the juice. And as you begin doing that, then if y'all can show the video after that. Let's pray first. Lord, we are are mindful now uh, that the cup belongs to you. Even as we were talking earlier today, I was was reminded that after your resurrection, you ate bread. You, You broke bread again with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But, but on this night, the night we're talking about, you said, this is the cup, the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. And I will not, I will not drink of it again until that day when we are renewed in the kingdom. You are waiting to drink. We will drink because of your mercy tonight and we'll celebrate in just a minute to that end. But we acknowledge that you are waiting, you are long-suffering that all your people might be redeemed, all your people might be drawn out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son, and then the end will come, and then you'll take the cup with us. Tonight, Lord, we take the cup in remembrance, but also looking forward to that great day. So pray, Lord, for the officers now as they serve this, this part of the meal and as we watch. In Jesus' name, amen. He accepted them as his children, didn't he? And their children as his grandchildren. The story goes on that um, there were 664 children who were rescued there and now 5,700 and some odd number of people who have come. And a little girl testifies later. She says, none of us would be here. I wouldn't be here or my father or my grandfather and grandmother were it not for him. And they are so joyful and so grateful and their gratitude just overwhelms them. They finally got to meet the man who saved them. 
They took a memorial train from Czechoslovakia to London and they pulled up on the platform and one of the men says, now 70 years later, we see the man, the man who saved us, the man who rescued us. We would have been dead. I wonder tonight for you, anyone here who was an orphan and you were rescued? Anyone here who lived in the dominion of darkness and has been drawn into the dominion of his king? Anyone here who was dead in their trespasses and sin and has been made alive in Christ? Is there anyone here who would say, you owe your life to Jesus? If there is, would you stand? He gave you your life. Your life is not your own. It's from him, for him, for them. He's not drinking the cup tonight, but we are. We're drinking it in remembrance of all that he's done and the goodness that he is and the present work and the future work. We will take the table with him sometime in the future together, but tonight... Tonight, brothers and sisters in Christ, we drink. We drink to the King. Long live the King. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful tonight more. And we want to be even more grateful. We want gratitude to so ooze out of our bodies and out of our mouths and out of our lives that others will see us as a grateful people. And they will just wonder, why are they so happy? What do they have to be so grateful about? And we will simply be able to say, Jesus, we are just grateful. For that to happen, though, for this moment to continue on, we need you. We beg you. We plead with you to seal it, to do a work in our lives now. Lord, we want to sing. Sing now. We want to sing that you, you are the one and that we need you. Would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. When you think about this, here they were in the upper room. We know what happens tomorrow. I don't think they did, at least the details of that. We know what happens on Sunday. I don't think they did. And what does God do? What does Jesus do? He prays for them. In John 17, he prays for them in the garden, and he prays for us. As we conclude our service tonight, our benediction will be part of the prayers. I'm going to pray through parts of John 17. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you that you have given your Son authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Thank you that you have manifested your name to your people. Thank you, Jesus, that you intercede for us, praying that we remain in your name. May your joy be fulfilled in us, and may we be kept from the evil one. May you sanctify us in your truth, and as we go into the world, May there be those who would believe because of us, and may they be united 
knit together in you. May the world know that you were sent by the Father. For we pray in the wonderful, wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.